With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 19 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We've got plenty to talk about as one signing seems close to completion while feeling very far from happening weirdly and Man United dispatch of both Stoke City and Derby County, either side of a warm weather training camp in Dubai. And as always, we'll have our youth roundup with a few low moves out of the club in a couple of games and a win for the under-19s in an international five-a-side tournament. We'll start with, uh, with some Stoke City chatter. 3-0 on Monday night, very comfortable in the end. Three fantastic goals, two screamers and, and one just a, a display of just how good Lukaku's hold-up play can be. Yeah, it was a pretty comfortable game in the end. As you said, all three goals were brilliant in their own way. An absolute collector's item for Valencia scoring. Well, I mean, scoring first off, but then with his left foot as well. Is, has he ever scored a goal with his left foot for us before? I've barely seen him pass with his left foot. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean that was—I mean that in itself made that game pretty memorable. And obviously, Martial's goal was sublime in its finish. And Lukaku, as you said, I think that—that's the Lukaku we all we all thought was going to come to us. And he hasn't, to be fair, hasn't really had that many opportunities to show it recently. Service to him hasn't been great, but that goal really was just everything that you want from your striker. Brilliant hold-up play, great first touch, great strength, and a brilliant finish as well to manoeuvre it past the defenders and then into the near post. Yeah, um, and, a, and a brilliant goal from Anthony Martial. On Paul Pogba as well, man of the match, playing further forward again. It was slightly different against Derby, but Everton away on New Year's Day was the, the Premier League game before this one. So Everton away on New Year's Day, Pogba plays on the left-ish and slightly further forward, gets man of the match. Obviously the best player on the pitch. Happens again on Monday against Stoke and Pogba man of the match again. Mourinho said the, the team is changing the profile to fit him and to suit Pogba and it's what I think it's what we've been asking for for a long time and we're we're really seeing why we've been asking we're being proved right which isn't 
isn't always the case, but Pogba's been absolutely brilliant. Just when he's given that that license to roam a bit further forward, have a few fewer defensive responsibilities. We're really seeing that technical ability and, and the vision and the, and the brilliance that he has, even when he drops very slightly deeper. That Everton game, I, I think, is up there, arguably with his best game in a United shirt. Um, there are very few performances I can remember where he has just completely taken the game by the scruff of the net. And he's had countless great performances for us, but there was something different about that one. I think just the the thing, it wasn't just him pulling the strings from midfield and playing brilliant passes all around the park. It was him getting on the ball and doing things that no other midfielder in the world can do. And it, I mean, we've talked about this before and the skill set that he has being so unique. And I think that really just proved it. We, this is a central midfielder playing effectively as a left winger for most of the game and playing like one of the best left wingers that you will see in the Premier League. Uh, it was crazy really to see kind of what he can do on the ball. And he's carried that form on as well. Uh, the game against Stoke was a brilliant performance. Very different because he was playing uh, in a deeper role and not not sort of in that like advanced left position that he was in against Everton. But this, this was more of the kind of typical Pogba, Pogba performance that we've seen for, uh, this season. Really just dominating the middle of the park. Some of the passes he was playing... And that, that was the one that got um, put all over Twitter, the the raking part, crossfield pass to Shaw with the left foot, uh, which was just a ridiculous pass, to be honest. And, and it's it's something that we see almost every week now from Pogba. He really is growing into, well, into a £90 million player, I guess. I mean, in, in the current market, a, a lot more than that, yeah. Two assists. They, I mean, assists don't, don't really tell the full story, but Pogba's missed 10 games from suspension and um an injury and has nine assists for this season which is up there at the at the top of the what's it called the leaderboard in the Premier League um his influence on United and on games is becoming much bigger in recent weeks and even though it wasn't quite the same position um that he played at Everton his his role against Stoke was was different to what we've seen most of the season he was having to do less defensively and and the great thing about letting him go further forward is that when we need to we can always call him back and suddenly you've got a world-class player playing deeper and Pogba said after the game he was told to play a bit deeper by Mourinho when Stoke were threatening ever so slightly and that kind of nullified it and then he was told to do that again when Stoke looked like they might do the same again and then we scored another in the second half so you've got that ability to just move him around the pitch wherever you want and we said it after the Everton game he could be one of the best wingers in the league if he wanted to and I've said it many times this season, the things we see from Paul Pogba, I think he's the best. He, he's he got the highest technical ability of, of any player I've seen in the United shirt. That doesn't mean he's the best United player I've ever seen um, because he isn't. But the the skill level that Pogba has is, is just astonishing. Um, and he's completely running the team. And compare him to Kevin De Bruyne, who he's got the same number of assists as nine in the Premier League. The, the level of influence De Bruyne has on City and the amount that he that City miss him and the amount of praise that he gets for that. Pogba is starting, if he can carry on like this, Pogba is starting to have that same influence, starts to be just as important. Um, and I, I can see it because living next to a bunch of Arsenal fans, that even they're <laughs> now starting to accept that Paul Pogba is in the top three, top four players in the Premier League, not just in terms of his actual ability, but in terms of his performances as well. Yeah, that's been the big difference, I think, this season, is that we've always known Pogba has the ability to to be this player that we're all seeing now. And he showed it in flashes last season, but I think now he's not he's not just showing these flashes once or twice in a game where he does not one nice piece of skill 
and then tries to hit a 60-yard pass that he gives away, which was happening more often than not last season. This season, it's becoming a much more consistent thing. And as you said, the the things that he's doing well are actually influencing the game in much, much bigger ways than we saw last season. It was a, a huge criticism that most people had of him and a, a fair enough criticism last season in that, you know, he wasn't getting enough goals or assists or wasn't wasn't influencing the game enough in the key moments. But he's really doing that this season. In pretty much every single game, he has some sort of key contribution to one of our goals. Uh, I mean, all you need to do is look at, uh, there was the Sky Sports article about uh, Pogba being the invincible one is I think what is it 36 games now or something with, with him and the team playing in the Premier League we were oh, unbeaten yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. which is just a crazy record you know almost a full season of games without losing in the Premier League is ridiculous turn uh, a ridiculous return on, on any player let alone someone playing in midfield who you know isn't responsible for scoring the bulk of the goals in the team it really does show you how much we miss him when he's not in the team yep his improved performances are, are improving the rest of the team. And he's benefiting from Romelu Lukaku being back in, in better form and Lukaku is benefiting from him. Same with Jesse Lingard as well. Yeah, the pair of them doing very well and, and Pogba came out after and said he, he very much enjoys playing with Lukaku because he can fire the ball at him and get it under control. And once he does that, he can he can run and Lukaku will hold it up for him and then they can carry on playing on the counter-attack. And Lukaku... I can't remember the point at which it turned, but the City game was woeful for Lukaku and his hold-up play was, was utterly atrocious. I don't know how he was not brought off by Mourinho. But in the the two to three weeks between the City game and Christmas, even in the games that we drew the 2-2 against Leicester, against Burnley and Southampton, even in those three games where the, most of the team were poor, Lukaku's hold-up play was notably better. And now we're really seeing that against Stoke and then we saw that for his goal against Stoke as well and he's bringing other players into the game and, and proving that proving something that no one really thought he'd bring to United which an influence even when he's not goal scoring yeah absolutely I think his hold up play has improved so much over the last sort of month or two I, I first noticed it well, I, I guess I noticed it in a few games after uh, obviously the kind of debacle against City. But Leicester, for me, was the the real turning point. It had been getting better up to there. Um, and I remember in, actually in the Arsenal game as well, it, was, it wasn't always great, but there were moments where it seemed to be improving a bit, but he just couldn't quite do it consistently. Um, but then the Leicester game was the one really where I think everything clicked. It was the the best game that I've seen Lukaku play in terms of being an all-round striker. Obviously, he didn't get a goal. Probably should have had about three assists if some of the other players in our team could finish. But that that really was just a great all-round striker performance. The runs he was making, his hold-up play, his link-up play was all great. And it, it showed it again um, against Stoke as well. His hold-up play was so much better than it had, had when it was at the start of the season. And it's becoming, a, it's becoming more consistent now. You know, it's not perfect. And it probably never will be with Lukaku. You know, it's not the strength of his game but it is improving week by week and it was glad to see him get the goal as well because it was nice to see him kind of go back to his more natural game and sometimes when Lukaku has the ball at his feet you almost feel a little bit like he's so worried about everything he seems to take so much care of everything that he does that it ends up him with him him making even more mistakes than he would do normally so it was really good he got into some good areas against Stoke he was drifting wide a little bit more as well which I really liked there was a brilliant cross that uh, almost fell to Lingard in the first half yeah just some great play from him all round really yeah and uh, nice to get an early goal how many seasons has it been where we need an early goal to <laughs> to play well because even if, even if you go back to the when we were scoring four goals 
with ridiculous regularity at the start of the season. It, even then, you'd have an early goal and then not score for ages and then suddenly score a, a flurry of three goals in the in the final moments of the game. It's, 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 Louis van Gaal was the same case. David Moyes, I mean, particularly van Gaal, but David Moyes too, and Mourinho's first season and, and now is an early goal and, and suddenly we look so much better. Um and it, it was nice to get that one. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. I wonder if it's still kind of something of like the Van Gaal because it seems like if we don't, when we don't get an early goal. The team, the team almost starts like panic. And I, yeah, I don't know. There just seems to be a weird atmosphere around the team whenever we don't score that early goal. But it was really nice to get one against Stoke. So it seems to have always been the case with us where if, if it's nil nil and sort of by even by half time or like by halfway through the second half, the team just starts to like panic and um, not play their natural game. I think so early goals for us are really really important you know, we were scoring a lot of late goals early in the season but like you said it wasn't it was very rarely late goals to make it 1-0 it was late goals to make it 2-3-4-0 uh, and that that was really the yeah, difference the, the pressure is just taken off as for the title race Pogba, Jones both saying it's still possible um, in the the lightest of terms it's 12 points behind with City losing We've got to hope that'll be a, a watershed moment for City and they will start to crack. Can't see it happening to the extent that we need it to happen and can't see United be as, as perfect as we need us to be. But nice that City's unbeaten run is over. A tweet going around on multiple accounts, which people seem to enjoy, that United's in unbeaten run last season was, was longer than City's this season. Um, and I would say that with uh, with satisfaction but then you remember how many games we drew <laughs> in that period. And, you remember that we went from 6th to 6th in that, what was it, 27-game yeah, exactly. run, and City are 12 yeah, points City, clear at the top. So Yeah, established a 15-point gap. So, yeah, we're, we're not going to dwell on that. But the title race helped in the very slightest by this. And I was very pleased with um, with Jones and Pogba's interviews, actually, about about the title race. I thought they, they did well to... Talk a little bit about how, you know, it was obviously a, a positive development with City losing and we seem to be picking up form. But it wasn't it wasn't as if, you know, yeah, we're definitely still in the title race. We all still have to believe. They both acknowledged that ultimately we have to take care of our business and hope that City slip up. That's the position that we're in now. Um, it wasn't anything too downbeat, but it wasn't anything too positive and like try and really just looking like a sort of deluded uh, statement. So I thought they were, but they both did really well to sort of make, make it seem like, you know, we're... We're still not, never going to give up, but it's going to be a hard road and we we need to rely on City. Yeah, both of them are... I mean, Jones is now no longer a young player, but uh, has, been, has been a good speaker in terms of the media ever since he joined United, even though he does it quite rarely. And Pogba is just <laughs> such a natural with basically anyone that he... But he, he's not just a natural in that he's, he's funny and nice and, and smiles and very relaxed with them, which is different to, to some players who are very tense and you can tell they're thinking about what they're saying Pogba is obviously thinking about what he's saying because generally what he says is, is pretty perfect it's it's as you say it's that it's that right balance but Pogba speaks speaks brilliantly now um Henrik Mkhitaryan was we were promised he would play against Stoke by Mourinho and then when he wasn't in the squad it's it things kicked off Alexis Sanchez reportedly and I don't know why it's being reported in this way because transfers never seem to be reported in this way, apart from this one. But reportedly, the deal is a total of 180 million, including all of his wages for the duration of his contract, the agent fee, the signing on fee, and the valuation 
which we're not actually paying since Mkhitaryan's going the other way, but that's what the Telegraph are reporting. That's how they've chosen to to <laughs> to add up the deal. So an interesting way of doing it. Definitely some uh, some unique reporting on this transfer, yeah. I think. But you can see why, because it pisses off United fans who then want click on it and get angry and reply. And it justifies the opinions of every other supporter in the country. So, I mean, I'm sure it's worked for them. And it's just whether they feel that they are slightly lacking in integrity by reporting it in that way. Um, yeah. Anyway, City can, I mean, spin it however they want. We, In reality, I can, weirdly, um, I could genuinely see it still not happening. But it seems, compared to yesterday, we were prepared to record yesterday and didn't. At that point, I was ready to say I'd, I'd be very unsurprised if he joined City in the summer, and now I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if it if it didn't now happen. Um, and it's difficult because you don't want to pretend it has happened and start rolling off all this stuff about it. But it would be nice to get one over City, and we need him more than they do. Even I mean, even we don't need him that much because he's twenty nine, but it's it's guaranteed quality. They've already got that in De Bruyne, Aguero, Silva. And we don't. Lukaku is still a, a developing player. Pogba is still developing some consistency in his game. Martial, Rashford, the same. Um, Juan Mata, here and there, not the same level. Herent Mkhitaryan, obviously, definitely not the same level. Um, and that's why they won't break the bank for him and but but they shouldn't get away with spinning it to oh united are only about money but which is what they'll try and do and what city fans and literally city as a club are trying to breathe the media on that but at the end of the day we will end up with sanchez it looks like and and they won't and we would have ended up with sanchez if mkhitaryan is confirmed in the deal by just giving them a player we Mourinho doesn't really want so ended up being a, a pretty good deal if it goes through. Yeah, I think it's. I'm, I'm also still slightly sceptical about it. Um, the reporting and everything seems to be pretty positive in terms of how it's progressing. I'm just, I'm always quite nervous when it's a player-for-player player deal because so often you see them fall through and so according to all these reports, what is holding it up and the reason why the deal hasn't gone through already is because Mkhitaryan isn't 100% sure whether he wants to leave and um, whether he wants to join Arsenal. That this is, That's just what, what's being reported. Whether that's actually what is going on, who knows. But yeah, I'm, I'm still a little bit sceptical about whether it will happen. I obviously hope it does. Um, I think Sanchez would be a, a great addition for us. He, of, his age is a little bit of a concern, but if you get two top seasons out of him, I think he's worth it, especially if there isn't any cash involved in the deal, if it's just a straight straight swap for Mkhitaryan. Uh the the reporting of this of this deal, sorry, just to sort of swing back on that, has frustrated me a lot. Um I guess doing exactly what the papers want. Uh, I, did, I tweeted about this earlier and just as you said, the way that every single penny associated with this deal in some way is being included in in the fee. So we're now paying £180 million for a player who it looks as if will join us without any cash actually exchanging hands between the clubs. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the alternative headline is Manchester United signed world-class player for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, anyway. I think I think also the other the other thing that's been annoying me 
it, it is, which I think is, there's probably more basis to be annoyed rather than just the other things being absolute clickbait. Um, it's just the insinuation that there is no other reason to want to join United other than money. And, and I understand that that's obviously a part of the deal. You know, if at, at this point in time, if you had exactly the same money on the table uh, from United and City, you would probably choose, choose City over United. I, I don't see, I, I don't think that's a controversial thing to say at the moment. However, I do think it's it's unfair for a lot of the reports to be, you know, why would he be joining United if it if it wasn't for the money? Why wouldn't you just stay at Arsenal and let your contract run down? You know, you have to remember we're this is still Manchester United. We are still a huge club, a huge attraction for a lot of players. We have and a brilliant I would I would say one of the best young spines of a team in the world in De Gea, Eric Bailly, Pogba and Lukaku. If you look down the spine of that team, that is a spine full of great players that will be at this or better level, hopefully for the next at least five years. We have a manager who, okay, maybe isn't at his best at the moment, but is still extremely well respected and is still a very, very good manager. You play at Old Trafford a club with a huge stature every single week. You know, let's not kid ourselves that the only reason to join United at the moment is because they're going to pay you X amount a week. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. And, I mean, how much can we trust the reports? The reports are that he would have earned £30 million a year at City. If he'd waited until the summer, he would have got, a th- I think it's a £30 million signing on bonus. Which he's getting a £20 million signing on for United and earning £14 million a year. Um, we don't really, it might end up being more than that. It could end up being like 25 So it is obviously it's got to do with money. But as, as you say, it, it's completely ridiculous to think that. I mean, I mean, why would you want to join United? Okay, money, the Champions League, perform in front of 75,000 fans every week, play for one of the greatest coaches in the last three decades, play with Pogba, Lukaku, De Gea, Martial, Matic, world-class players, all the level below, talented players who, as you say, could become good. And for a 29-year-old, both United and City offer the option of being the talisman for that team and leading a good young spine to great things. But at City, you've got competition with De Bruyne, Sane, Sterling, Aguero, Jesus, Silva, um, and I'm sure I've forgotten a few players there. At United, Sanchez knows he can he can be that that talisman. Um, he can be the the Zlatan figure of last year or going further back the the Cantona figure which is what everyone compared Zlatan to he only has to stay for two three years three four years the suggestions are signing a four and a half year contract so when does that I can't I'm not going to work out when that lasts him to but <laughs> um, it's it's an attractive offer and if you I I just cannot see how people think that it can only be to do with money. It's not as if players... It's not as Kids have grown up wanting to play for Manchester United for the last two decades because we're the biggest club in world football. And if it was just about money, they'd have taken the 300 grand or whatever it was contract that Arsenal were trying to get him to sign in desperation to try and keep him. But he saw Arsenal was not going places, so he wanted to go to United or City, and it seemed like he wanted to go to City at the time. Then you get the offer of more at United than you do at City. I I also think that more needs to be given to the fact that City have obviously said that 
we're not going to pay past this amount of money or you know we're like we're not going to pay that now we're going to wait until the summer we can get you for free because put yourself in Sanchez's shoes that must be be a, a, feel a little bit disrespectful it's like well do you want me or not you know apparently City were willing to pay what was it 60 million in the summer something like that that's what the reports are saying anyway and so to Sanchez it must seem like a bit of a slap in the face to say to see a team that he had a deal agreed with supposedly he had a, a handshake deal with them already sewn up to then turn around and say actually we don't think you're worth that we're just going to wait and try and get you for free and if we don't get you we don't get you you know like, I think that needs to be given a little bit more strength in all this as well because that must not be nice for a player to feel that um, especially as a player like Sanchez who clearly is going to have a lot of options of where he wants to end up so I, I just think it obviously yeah. money of course has something to do with it because if it wasn't about the money he would just either stay at Arsenal or he would maybe wait and join City in the summer the money clearly does have something something to do with it but let's not kid ourselves that's the only reason that anyone would want to join Man United at the moment that's, I mean, that's a, a properly good point. If you look back at De Gea um, in 2015, it's, it's, I mean, Real Madrid knew they wanted De Gea in that 2015 summer transfer window in May. I mean, they knew the season before. They, they wanted him well before that window. And it comes down to deadline day and they mess it up and quite possibly deliberately mess it up because they've had second thoughts about wanting to have Kaylor Navas instead and and maybe look to go for De Gea in another window. De Gea, two weeks later, signs a five-year deal at United. And the suggestions are around the club is that De Gea got a bit pissed off at Real Madrid and thought, you haven't really put the effort in to get me here. You've had three months of the summer transfer window, and yet you haven't managed to sign me. You haven't paid the right money. You've offered another goalkeeper in return. And you haven't really do you really want me that much? Should I give up everything in my life at the moment and the chance of trophies and being well-loved at United by the fans and the players and the staff to go to Real Madrid if they don't want me that much? And it's, if, I mean, it could well be the same with Sanchez. If City aren't willing to put the effort in, it, I mean, it's clear to everyone he's worth more than 20 million. So why is City backing out? And it's because they don't need him at, at the same level that we do. And this is a point you made with Pogba back in when he signed in what was it, July 2016, is that Real Madrid balked at the at the figure of 89 million because they had brilliant world-class midfielders in Modric and Cruz and, and now Casemiro. Whereas we had no one and we've been desperate for a midfielder for 10 years. Players have different values for different clubs and Sanchez to us is worth a lot more than Sanchez is to City. And even just going off the value, I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson signed for Everton for 45 million. He's 28 years old. Alexis Sanchez is apparently valued at £30 million and 29 and we're going to get him for free if we give Mkhitaryan, apparently. Even if you had wages of 350000 a week, that's roughly £50 million. Forget about the signing-on fee and the agent fee. I mean, even if you had the agent fee, £60 million, I mean, quite why they're included anyway, but a £60 million for a world-class 29-year-old compared for 45 for Gilfie Sigurdsson, 28-year-old, I don't mind. Yeah, that. exactly. Obviously, the wages and everything associated with the Sanchez deal are going to be high, but ultimately, like you said, you're getting a world class 29 year old potentially for free if we offload a player who doesn't seem like he's going to be in the manager's plans anyway very much. So, what if the wages are high? Look at how much money you've saved on the transfer fee. And like I said, like I said in the past, both on here and on Twitter a lot, so 
quite frankly, at the moment, in the way football is going now, I don't, I don't really care about transfer fees. Of course, I, I care about wages if it's going to cause a rift in the dressing room. And supposedly, that was a reason why Bayern, who wanted Sanchez last summer, didn't end up um, going in for him, was because his wage demands, they thought, would cause issues in the dressing room. But we already have players on extremely high wages. You look at Zlatan, you look at Pogba, you look at Rooney from last season, who was on astronomical wages and wasn't even a starter for most of the season. It doesn't seem to have caused a problem in the dressing room now. I'd, I hope that it won't cause a problem with the dressing room in, uh, in the dressing room with Sanchez, and if it doesn't, then quite frankly, paying four million pound a week, I don't care. If if it means that we get Sanchez, the money is irrelevant. It's not like we're struggling as a club. We posted the the biggest profit in world football last year, the biggest revenue in world football last year. I mean, hold on. a key point on that is that if you look at Chelsea, and one of the reasons that they won't sign Sanchez is their their turnover ratio to to wages is is sixty one percent. Cities is 56, Arsenal 47, United 45. We earn, we earn almost double what other clubs earn. And that's the reason that we can afford to play players these big wages and, and not have issues with it. And it's our money. It's not invested. I mean, it's literally the opposite of invested by our owners who appear to take out as much as they possibly can without it actually ruining the club. <laughs> although it has to an extent. Yeah, let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's our money. And we can afford it with very little issue. And it's a, a free transfer. So obviously the wages are going to be higher. It's the same with Zlatan in basically everything he's done in, in the last five to seven years. is He's been paid more because he hasn't cost anything. Um, absolutely. It's, to me, it's irrelevant as long as it won't cost, uh, as long as it won't cause any problems in the, in the team. I, I don't I honestly don't care about the money. Um, the way football's going at the moment we're probably going to be see, seeing players go for half a billion pounds soon. You know, it's, it's going in that direction. And if if we can afford it, and which we obviously can, then I don't really care about transfer fees or anything like that. I'd rather just see us get the players that we need. Obviously, I, I'd rather us not pay more than we need to. But if this is what it costs to get Sanchez in, I think we should pay it. Um, I think he'll be a great addition to the team, obviously. He's a world cl- world-class player. And I, I really hope the deal gets over the line this transfer window, and hopefully as soon as possible. Yeah, and uh, I mean another thing, there was there was suggest- some journalists and on Twitter claiming it was United have just thrown money at everything, and Gary Neville made the the, the very correct point that we literally backed away from Ivan Perisic because he cost more than we wanted to pay, which was only about forty million we were willing to pay. So the idea that United are willing to pay anything to catch City is it's just ridiculous because we're clearly not because we backed out of a deal already now Sanchez hopefully his wages won't cause any rifts but how do we play with him some people say play Sanchez on the right wing as in some media saying that's where Mourinho want him to play I mean obviously some fans are saying that as well at Rojanaldo asks what would be the best formation and lineup if we get Sanchez in 4-3-3 with Martial on the left and Sanchez on the right wing um, is his suggestion I mean, it's got a question mark, so it might not be his suggestion. It might just be a, a further question. Anyway, yeah, four three three. that gives Pogba license to roam on the left of midfield, and then you're likely to have Matic and Herrera, but hopefully a new midfielder in the summer anyway. And the Daily Mail reports today that uh, United will look to add Gareth Bale plus two midfielders and a fullback in the <laughs> summer. I mean, the Gareth Bale bit of that makes me believe it slightly less but anyway yeah, we're going we're to buy Sanchez and Bale in consecutive transfer windows according to the Daily Mail 
I mean, also yeah. Ronaldo, apparently. Um, in shocking fashion, Ronaldo is linked to United in a transfer window. Anyway, 4-3-3 gives Pogba his best position. Gives Lukaku lots of support. Sanchez on the right. I mean, Sanchez has been at his best at Arsenal when he's been played up front. But that's clearly not going to happen unless we go with a, a two-man attack. But I guess if, if you're playing a really narrow three-man attack with Martial, Lukaku, Sanchez, will they get in each other's way? Or if they if they have the clearly defined roles, then perhaps not. Yeah, we've seen Arsenal do that a few times this season with like Ozil, um, Alexis and Lacazette when they've been playing together. So, I mean, it, it could potentially work. The problem is, it's just that I think Martial is better... I think Martial generally is better cutting in from from the flanks. Um, I think the the whole the whole issue here again, as as we've said all season, is that we have so many left wingers and no one who can play on the right very well. Sanchez is very good from the right. Uh, look at like his the breakdown of his goals coming from which position. His production from the left and the right wings actually are, isn't very different at all. Um, but I would say his best position is probably up front and then on the left wing. But Martial has barely even been played on the right wing by Mourinho. Clearly doesn't think that that's his best position. Rashford has played there a couple of times, but not really excelled that much. So it looks like Sanchez probably will go out to the right. And I assume we'd probably play sort of a Sanchez, Lukaku, Martial front line with a lot of rotation. I, I do think, though, personally, 4-3-3 would be my formation with Pogba in the kind of role that we saw him in against Everton, um, with the Matic holding and then preferably a new midfielder. Um instead of Herrera playing there. But I don't see Mourinho switching to that. Definitely not this season. I think we will stick with 4-2-3-1, even if Sanchez does sign. Um, just because, you know, I, I've seen I've seen other people sort of look putting teams out with Sanchez in it that have a midfield three of Pogba, Lingard and Matic, which I, I don't think will ever happen under Mourinho. And to be fair, I think he's right that that midfield is just far too attacking would only leave us with one, with, with Matic, yeah. basically. Um, it's kind of, with any sort of defensive ability there. Yeah, if you want if you want to free up Pogba, then there's no point putting Lingard there. You need two solid midfielders to, to free up Pogba. Yeah, and, and the issue with doing that this season, I think, is, well, Herrera, basically. Um, yeah. Without meaning to be too rude to Herrera, I think it might be worth sticking with 4-2-3-1 for now, because it means that we don't have to then play a midfield of Herrera, Matic and Pogba, which we've seen just doesn't work in a lot of games this season because Herrera's performances have just been terrible for most of the season. Uh, so it might be worth sticking with the 4-2-3-1 with us, Sanchez, Lingard, Martial, Lukaku front four and then switch to a 4-3-3 next season when hopefully we have a much better midfielder who can play alongside Matic and Pogba in the three. Yep, right, we better move on. But in terms of January as a month, Results are back on, on track after a tricky December. We're about to sign a best player from, from a top six rival, it seems, who was also a, a top target, I mean, arguably the main target for our local and title rivals. And it looks like we're going to get David De Gea to sign a new long-term contract at the club, as well as our manager. Could end up be, being a very efficient and, and good January for the club. Manchester United youth sides have returned to action since we last spoke to you. Um, the under-19s travelled to Germany to play in the international five-a-side tournament, the Sparkas and VGH Cup. 
Going in as defending champions, we remained unbeaten throughout the competition to lift it for a second consecutive year. Mason Greenwood, one of the youngest players at the event, was United's top goalscorer. The under-18s then returned to league action with a 2-1 win against Sunderland away from home. Tahith Chong's fantastic form since his return from a long-term injury has been brilliant. He scored twice, including a brilliant finish for the winner after being fed through by Laji Ramazani, a summer signing. The under-23s, meanwhile, were hammered 4-0 by Arsenal on Monday night as their dreadful season continues. There's no clear idea of how we're set up to play. Um, things are looking very bad since Ricky Sprague came in and, and replaced Warren Joyce in the summer. And it, it's not looking good. And the problems will likely continue after a number of key under-23 players have left on loan. Demi Mitchell was signed for Scottish clubs Hearts. Striker James Wilson has joined Sheffield United in the Championship. Cameron Borthwick-Jackson's return to the club from Leeds United, another terrible loan spell for him after after a really bad one at Wolves last season where he was playing, I think he, was, he had a spell of about six games in the first team and then was dropped and, and never got a look in again. Um, same has happened to him at Leeds and it, his, his development has not gone well in the last two and a half years or so. But James Wilson joining Sheffield United, he, he's been really good for the under-23s this season after coming back from injury. He struggled alone, mainly due to injuries, and hopefully he can have a good six months or five or six months in the rest of the season. Dean Henderson doing brilliantly for Shrewsbury Town. He got a mention by Joe Hart when Shrewsbury played West Ham in the FA Cup and Sam Johnston doing well at Aston Villa, who Axel Twanzeber might join on loan. Uh, Mourinho hinted that he would be allowed to after the Stoke game, so hopefully that will go through soon and he can play get some first team minutes alongside um, John Terry, who, as much as I hate him, was a very good defender, so could help to his development. Now, Burnley on Saturday. Hopefully the good form continues. January being a bit a bit more restful after a very busy December. Um, we've had a, a break in Dubai, which seems to help against Stoke. People looked... I mean, the players looked better rested, but Mourinho himself looked in in... Not in better shape, but much more relaxed. So hopefully that helps. And then Burnley at the weekend, what are we predicting for that? Uh, I think it's going to be quite tough, actually. Burnley at home always seem to play pretty well. Um, obviously, had a disappointing draw against them earlier in the season. I think we will scrape a win, but I think it's going to be quite a scrappy game. Maybe quite similar to, um, remember the Southampton game right at the start of the season? I'm thinking maybe something quite similar to that. I'll go for a 2-1 win. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, I feel that's a very likely score. And I'll go with a 2-1 win as well. Um Lukaku to score, it'd be nice to see Popper score. The amount of free kicks that, I mean, last season as well, free kicks and headers, I think he hit the bar like six or seven times in the season. And this season, free kicks have come very close and other shots on target have come very close. Um, It'd be nice to see Popper finally get a deserved goal. Just because if he can add goals to his game from set pieces, which is what we saw at Juventus and from long shots, that's, I mean... You can't ask for more. <laughs> it's it's a joy to watch Paul Popper anyway. So <laughs> he's he's fine as he is at the moment. But uh, a few more goals to his game would be lovely, and, and against Burnley would be brilliant. Also, sorry, sorry, I've, I always find funny whenever I uh, whenever I'm watching Sky Sports and Gary Neville is on there. Is just uh, whenever Gary Neville talks about Paul Pogba, it, just notice how every single time he uses the word arrogance. <laughs> if I had a pound for every time Gary Neville says arrogance about Paul Pogba, I'd be a millionaire by now. I'm convinced. Every single time he talks about him or writes an article about him or where he's quoted, all he includes his arrogance, his arrogance on the ball. He just, he, he is, I don't know. I, I struggle to put words to how much I enjoy watching Popper play and how much, how perfectly he fits that role in United's team and how perfectly he yeah. 
I mean, he fits the United shirt. It's the, it's the old cliche, and he certainly does. Um, right, we better wrap up there. Thank you, as always, for listening to a, a slightly extended episode um, of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. A lot to talk about. Paul Pogba being brilliant. Lukaku's hold-up play improving, and uh, a generally good performance against Stoke. And, of course, Alexis Sanchez, who, I mean, by the time this goes out on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, and depending on when you're listening to it, Alexis Sanchez might have joined United or it might have all broken down and he could be joining City in the summer. Anyway, <laughs> we we shall see on that front. Such is the world of football transfers these days. For more from us, as the Sanchez story develops, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at, at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end. Thank you as always for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy the ridiculous silly season of transfer rumours. Goodbye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.